Welcome. Really excited to have you and excited to have my guest, Kendra Phillips, who is the CTO and Vice President of New Technology and Products at Ryder. How are you, Kendra? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we've had we've talked before. You have this big fancy title that means a lot of things, but you're really all about new technology and where the industry's headed. Um, why did Ryder create this function inside the organization? Oh, I love that question. Uh, and you're right. It's a it's a title that says a lot. But what it really means is all new tech. And um, Ryder created this role, this position, because, you know, we're an 80, almost 80 year old company that's been around a long time in an industry that um, doesn't tend to have a lot of change. And Ryder really sat back and said, hey, we want to be at the forefront of change and at the forefront of technology. And we think there's a lot of disruption coming our way. Uh, and we want to be leaders in that disruption. So that's why they created this role, which means I get to have a lot of fun because I get to focus on all of the new and interesting and exciting things happening in supply chain and logistics. So it, it's been a great experience. And I think, you know, it says a lot about Ryder that they, they think this way and that they've positioned the company in such a manner. Now, how long has Ryder had, have you been in this role and how long has Ryder been really had the role to begin with? Yes. Yeah, so um, I've been in the role almost three years and that really was created just slightly before that. So it was something, you know, the company probably about four years ago really stepped back and said, hey, we need this and we've got to figure out how to position it properly and also empower it. Um, because when you're dealing with operations, technical change or technical innovation can sometimes be a challenge. So also figuring out how to create a role that could not just see the tech, be a part of the tech, but then also bring that to our operations and to our customer. Now, a lot of companies, there's a, a lot of corporations that set up innovation offices uh, and they have mixed sort of reviews. You know, sometimes they're very effective and uh, they're very successful at creating new technologies and working with startups. Other times, not so much. What is Ryder's formula for this initiative and how are you guys, what score, what grade would you give your progress so far? I'm probably biased. So let me just lay that out there. Um, but I, I think, you know, we've done really well. I think Ryder's done really well. Uh, and one reason is um, I actually came from operations. So I came into this role with uh pretty detailed understanding of the life of an operator, what they go through day to day, what our customers go through day to day. So I think it helps to bring, um, when you bring technology in and you can understand how it's going to fit or where it's going to add value or what some people may push back on, that that gives it a better level of success. So I, I would say that that was one piece of it. Um, but then the, the biggest part is the, the top level support, right? And all of our executives are very supportive of um, this role, this function, the investments we're making in it. And then as, as you know, we have Rider Ventures that we started a year ago. That's our corporate venture arm. And it just adds in, right, to everything else we're doing. So I, I really do think Rider leadership has set, set the table for success. Um, and we're seeing those benefits, uh, Again, timing, you can't control timing, but with everything that's happened with a the pandemic, there's been so much acceleration in investment in technology and need for technology and a willingness to have conversations 
that some companies weren't willing to have before. So that the timing also worked in our favor. Now, Ryder put, if I'm not mistaken, $50 million into the into uh, the corporate venture capital fund that you have the opportunity to make investments. How much of that's been deployed? I, I don't think I'm able to say the final number because we've got a, a few investments that uh, have not been announced. Uh, but we have been very successful in our first year. We've made six investments, five of which I believe are the ones we're able to disclose. So we've been really successful in what we've been able to do. And I think the nice thing as well is they're in different pieces of the industry. So we're, we're able to um, really get a flavor for different tech, different innovation, and um, where it's going to have an impact on the industry. So I think we, we've done a nice job of of not just focusing in on, on one segment or one piece of disruption, but really everything that's going on. Now, is it something that happens where the folks in, in sort of the core part of the operation identify a, a, a company that's new, or is this an active effort where you and your team are out seeking those technologies? Uh, it's an active effort by far. Um, and Part of what I love about it uh, with Rider Ventures, and, and I'll say this is, you know, I grew up in the supply chain logistics space, so I don't come from the VC world. Um, so I'm very new to this. But but part of what I've, I've loved about it is it's, it's a community. So um, we, you know, have partnerships with 8BC, for example, who I, I know is an investor in Freight Waves and with Plug and Play and other accelerators. And when you've got those kind of strategic relationships, what you find is everyone's really excited. Everyone's really willing to share information and their take on the market and what's happening. And when companies find a startup they think that has potential, everyone's willing to share that information and talk about it and you know ask if you've met with them and what is your take on them. And so it, I really, I thought it would be hard, like where are we going to find these startups? How are we going to know if we're really seeing the broad landscape but it, it's actually been, I think, fairly easy to get our arms around it just because of the, the community aspect and how um, how eager and excited everyone is to share what they're seeing uh, in the marketplace and, and, you know, the startups that they think really have opportunity to grow. I mean, imagine, you know, Pro Lodges Ventures is an investor in Freightways. And, and Kendra, if uh, Ryder Corporate Ventures uh, had been established when we were out actively raising money, hopefully you guys are the investor. But it's interesting because I've seen ProLide just have a lot of success. Of They run it as an investment vehicle tied to supply chain. But they have a really interesting perspective on the market because they are in the industry. And I imagine as you look at your playbook that that is also something that you guys benefit from. Uh, that's absolutely our goal. So I would say, you know, it might be a little bit too early to say yet, but um, our, that is our goal. What When we look at these companies, the number one thing that we're looking at is, hey, do we think we could use them to benefit our customer, right? Do we think that whatever they're building or what, how, however they're trying to go to market is something that Ryder could leverage to really bring value to our customer? And if that answer is yes, that's when we're going to get engaged. And, and, the nice thing about Ryder is, is because of our size, we're in almost every industry. We offer the vast majority of supply chain services. So we usually can find um, a home for that startup if there really is a lot of merit, at least in our eyes. Um, so we have been able to, to bring that um, industry perspective to the table. And then hopefully that benefits the startup as well, because we can bring them into the fold. 
give them an environment to pilot with, get them in contact with shippers, our customers, and really find them a way to bring their product to market in an accelerated rate. You think about 2021 has been a remarkable year, the year of the supply chain, I like to say. I, I think, you know, oftentimes industries, particularly transformative technology industries and venture-backed industries sort of have this acceleration moment where you look back in in a couple of years and you'll see that that was the moment that really defined it. Now, for us in supply chain, I think it's pretty obvious that 2021 is a transformative moment in history for our industry. And as you look back to the journey that you've been on both historically as well as current your current journey as you guys make investments, what is what would you say about 2021? Well, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, it's probably been the most exciting year of my career uh, to be a part of everything going on, the conversations at the table, the, the level of focus on supply chain in general, but then especially supply chain tech. Uh, but what I really see as I think the differentiator or the accelerator out of 2021 is is not just all the funding that's getting pumped in and all the excitement, but the fact that you're now having very different conversations around the willingness to explore technology when it comes to supply chain. I can remember very clearly three or four years ago, talking to companies who felt no need to invest in supply chain technology, who thought visibility was just a buzzword that you know was forcing everyone to spend money on tracking devices, but really wasn't going to go anywhere. And those conversations have changed. I mean, they, they've gone away, right? Everyone understands now that you have to have a nimble supply chain that you can see and react to. And the only way to do that is if it's digital, right? And trying to live in a world of paper isn't going to happen anymore. And so a a lot of the um, pushback we were always getting has, has really completely vanished as people understand the importance now of investing in technology and what that brings to the table. So, so Kendra, I, Think about the journey that I've been on for the past couple of years. And when I first got and started Freight Waves, people were like, can you really build a media and data business based on supply chain? And it's interesting because now everyone's talking about it. They're interested in it. And everyone, including my family, who's not involved in supply chain, uh, talking specifically about my wife's family, who has never been around freight. And friends that had no interest in freight are all of a sudden interested in talking about it. And it become what they think are experts. They, they, they start to provide a lot of feedback. I imagine for you, when you first started the really not just at Ryder, but as you went out and took this role, I imagine for you that you, your role in venture capital has become quite elevated because outside venture capitalists and startups are, are actively engaging. What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, and, and you're right on um, logistics and everyone having an opinion on that now. But what, what we see to your question directly is a lot of VCs that are entering into the space, they'll actually reach out to us at Ryder, especially of those of us in Ryder Ventures. They really want an industry perspective on um, some of the companies that they're looking at, right? So, and to be honest, that's a piece I'm always shocked about with the VEC industry is, is how folks who haven't been intimate in an industry can make such intelligent decisions on where to put their money. But, um, you know, we see a lot of folks reach out to us and want to know 
hey, you've invested in this company. Why? What was it that drew you to them? Or are you looking at this company? Is it someone you're interested in? Why? And, and so having a lot of those conversations as people are trying to get smarter about the real world of logistics. And I think, I think one of the things that outsiders struggle to understand is a little bit of how paper-based the world is in logistics, right? Um, how much we're dependent on phone calls and emails and Excel sheets. And so sometimes that, that dose of reality is, is really important when you're going to go try to figure out where to, where to put your money in and um, where to place your bets. When you talk to VCs that are not active in supply chain, what is the stuff that they're asking about? Wait, what is their top of mind as they think about the interesting technologies? What's really getting their attention? Um, I, I think for their intention, it's it, attention. It's a lot of it's around e-commerce because that's what all of us feel at home, right? That's what touches all of us. So, you know, when you were saying earlier, most people have an opinion on it. It's usually in the e-commerce space um, because that's what we feel in touch. So there's usually a lot of questions on that pieces of it. Uh, micro fulfillment, courier networks, again, stuff stuff we can can kind of wrap our heads around because we see it if you're if you're not in the industry day to day. The other is is a lot of tr- questions around carriers. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of intrigue in how segmented the carrier market is and the different ways that companies are, are attacking that. So a, a lot of questions trying to understand, you know, this, the size and scope and the way it works from a carrier perspective. That's the other place I would say I get a lot of questions. You, you've talked about visibility uh, typically end-to-end visibility of knowing where freight is. Obviously, e-commerce, we feel as consumers that so much of the e-commerce experience is about how it's delivered and being able to track it and know when it, when it comes. Is the visibility game, are we in the early stages of it or are we in the late stages of it? I mean, there's been some really great, you know, successful breakout companies like Forkites and Project 44, which feel like they're on a tear Project 44 actually got the uh, Freight Tech Awards that you guys were a partner on this year, got top place, but they've all, all been in uh, the second place up until this year where they, they got the top. feels like our industry is saying that that is a technology that we believe in and that's a company we believe in. But for an earlier stage company, a, comp- you know, a founder that's wanting to start out in visibility, is it too late for them? No, I don't think so at all. Uh, I, I think we're just at the beginning of visibility. And, and part of the reason is visibility is a really big word. Um, half the time, you know, I say visibility and I'm thinking one thing and you're, you're reading it a different way, right? But if you just look at how do we see a supply chain in real time? How do we know where our goods are, or our trucks are, or when they're going to arrive at the customer, when they're going to arrive at the DC or the parts of DC, any, any you know, kind of basic visibility information? Uh, no, in my personal opinion, it's not too late. I do think that um, Forkites and Project 44 are very down, far down the path. But I don't think you have to attack visibility in the same way they are. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for what I mean by that is, is for example, it is still very difficult to get real-time tracking data on, um, on carriers in your network, right? Ryder has a whole team of people whose day is to reach out to carriers and try to get updates on where a truck is. And we are technically integrated with almost all of our carriers. So the fact that we still have to have people involved in that mix says something about how inefficient that process still really is, right? So I would love to see something that really attacks that. Um, I also think 
you know, you think about the data around the truck, right? Internet of things, everything happening in that space. The truck is just going to become a big data vehicle for us. So how can we start capturing all that data effectively and then send that to our visibility platforms uh, in a more efficient, effective manner than we do today? So when when you say, hey, it's, it's visibility tech, is there still opportunity? I think there's tremendous opportunity. I think there's so much runway there. And it's thinking about it in a different manner, right? Because there's there's still a lot of inefficiencies in how we get that data and the latency that comes with that data. It reminds me of, I was in payments for 10 years, and it reminds me of Visa and MasterCard. And uh, when you talk about payments, people say, well, Visa and MasterCard, I can accept a card, they, you know, can accept cards and they people issue cards. And this is sort of the mid-2000s. And all of a sudden, we saw Square and now Stripe and Venmo and all these fintech startups that have been incredibly successful, which do have taken slight, very slight, but important iterations of the business model and are creating substantial enterprises and actually haven't diluted the opportunity that exists for MasterCard and Visa and in many ways enhanced it. It strikes me that visibility feels a lot like that, is that you may have these big platforms, but they seem to be integrating with some of the other startups that are using their networks and benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. And and to that point, I actually expect that you will see, and you're seeing it today. I mean, the acquisitions, right? The big players, the the four kites, the Project Forty Fours, acquiring startups in the space who have who have found a little niche area that they've really focused on and they've done a great job on, but it adds a lot to that overall visibility platform. So, um, I think there's an, there's going to be continuous development in those areas. And then when you bring them into the fold, you're you're really creating a valuable product or offering. Um, and, and in general, we all need to be comfortable with the idea of being very uh, sharing our data, being very open with our data, which has not, again, been something that's traditional in the supply chain industry. But the more we're comfortable with aggregators and sharing and visibility, the better we all will be uh, and the more efficient our supply chains will be. Yeah, it strikes me that you know, when I sort of grew up in the space that the idea of sharing data was usually frowned upon by compliance folks because they were worried about the data being used against them in potentially a courtroom. If there was a, a bad accident that that data could, could show that they had made some mistake or were negligent in some way that, that is, I think, largely gone. In fact, what I what I see now is that the larger carriers, the ones that are more sophisticated, seem to want more data. They want to demonstrate that they're doing those things. And, and oftentimes they believe that having data and having that visibility actually protects them because they're able to demonstrate that they did the right things and they don't have some lawyer that's trying to characterize something that could be used against them. It also strikes me that companies have realized that sharing data is about advancing their own business and being able to provide better solutions and power to their customers. Is there anything else that you think is driving this development? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of the, the latter there, right? Shippers are, or, you know, um, we call them shippers, right? Our customer base, they're demanding. They, they want to see what's happening. They, they need to be able to react. And the only way to do that is to be able to share data and not just you know, we live in these silos today, right? So if, I, if I'm a shipper, I can see my ERP system, but I don't know what's happening with my supplier or with my carrier or my supplier supplier, right? We have to 
we have to create, we have to break down those silos and create the ability to share that information throughout the supply chain to really become efficient and reduce all of these inefficiencies that are causing, you know, people to have to order Christmas gifts on back order and all, all the pains that we're experiencing day to day. So um, I think a, a lot of that demand is is coming from the shippers in the industry and the big players who are saying, hey, we need this to be effective and to have a good solution. And so um, everyone's having to get on board with that. But to your point, it's always come from a bit of a safety concern or legal concern. Um, and I will say, I think in some ways, the ELD mandate made a huge impact on that because it it forced everyone to get in a line. There, there's a lot, you know, people have to play by the rules now. So um, there is the ability to have more transparency when that's the norm across the board. Yeah, but the irony of the whole ELD mandate was it was the big carriers that wanted it uh, because they, frankly, were going to end up in court anyways and going to have to deal with the insurance companies and the regulators. So uh, it, it strikes me that in many ways, companies that are a part of this data sharing actually have an enormous amount of advantages uh, and have realized that they should embrace it and endorse it versus ones that don't. Could I have to ask that you've been around this industry for, for, for some time. You now sit in a very prominent role in the industry at a, at a really important organization. And there's a lot of problems to go solve. There's an enormous amount of opportunity, which I think probably makes your job really exciting. And certainly as we report on it and get to see all these innovations, I, I absolutely love it. But there are things that you would love to solve that just are uninvestable ideas. What are those ideas that you have yet to, to see a founder come up with a solution that you think, okay, that is truly a way to solve this problem? What are those problems that you're, you have yet to see a founder really accomplish in terms of a business model that's sustainable that you know exists? but you've yet to find that founder. Um, so it's a great, that's a loaded question. It's a great question. I know it is. That's why um, it's here. We, we like loaded questions. Here. There's quite a few things running through my head. I can go smaller. I can go big. Um, there has been one thing I have been in search of for a long time that everyone says they have, but when I get, uh, I've probably met with 10 startups who say they have the solution to it. And when I get into actually trying to pilot what they have, they do not. And it's very simple, which is when my driver shows up at a dock and they get a piece of paper bill of lading, can someone digitize that on the spot, right? That's, that is my number one thing I have been in search of for years and have not found. Um, and that sounds, again, so simple, um, but... Uh, you know, and a lot of people say they can do it, but then the problem is those bill of ladings are never consistent, right? They're never the same. They're handwritten. They've got notes all over them. Someone's got to be able to turn that into an electric format for me that I can use systematically. So if anyone out there has that, please call me. Um, and, then, and then you have, to, I guess a lot of it would be take a photo with a camera is sort of the default thing I hear. The yes. problem is you got to get the driver to do that, right? So yes. Yes, it's it's not as easy as it as you would want it to be. That sounds. I, I I'll take it. I can man. I'll figure out the driver part. So someone get me the tech. <laughs> That's what I want. So, so, I mean, the ones that I'm always passionate about. The drivers are always the challenge, yes. right? Retaining mm -hmm. and recruiting. I've yet to see anyone solve that through technology. Yeah. And the detention feels very like one of the most egregious activities and costly activities in our entire industry. 
is drivers sitting around waiting. Yes. But I don't know if technology can really solve that. I haven't, I certainly haven't seen anything. Well, to that point, I mean, Ryder Ventures invested in Baton because that's the problem they're trying to solve. Now to your, to your, your other point, um, their tech is fairly basic, right? It's more a business model that they're using to, to address that issue. Uh, and, and cause that's what it is, right? It's really a huge inefficiency in the marketplace of having those drivers sit and how much are you paying for them versus them being on the road. So um, I agree. I don't think there's necessarily some, you know, uh, very fancy tech out there attacking that problem, but there are folks focused in that space. Uh, and, and it is a huge issue. And then drivers, to your other point, um, Ryder is making some investments in some startups that are focused on the drivers. Obviously, that's a huge pain point for the whole industry. And how do we really um, capture any driver capacity that's being wasted, right? Because <laughs> there is driver capacity being wasted. And, and so how do we capture that and, and then leverage it and, and utilize it to, to um, ease some of the constraints we have right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm always excited when we have really knowledgeable uh, folks like yourself with massive platforms like Ryder really invested in companies that can solve real problems. Because you, you mentioned the bill lading idea. I know there's been a lot of startups that have taken venture capital because they say they can solve it. But the reality is they haven't yet solved it or we wouldn't be talking about it. So uh, it's always encouraging. Well, Kendra, what are you, what are you excited about for next year? What's, what's on your horizon? How do you feel about the direction things are going to go in 2022? I think it's going to be more of the same, meaning I think um, there's going to be more disruptions coming at us that none of us are ready for in supply chains that none of us can predict. I think there's going to be more money um, pumped into tech. I think there's going to be more amazing companies coming forward with great ideas. So really excited for 2022. You think we'll have a big IPO of the VC era happen in 22? I could see it. And I mean, if it's not 2022 in the next couple of years, I, I definitely could see it. I, I, it's, it's the right time. I mean, it, it, you said it earlier. It's the right time in this space. It's changing everything. And, it, and that impact's going to last. Um, and some people will, will do well because of that. <laughs> yeah, it strikes me that if we get a couple of big exits, and it feels like IPO is probably the right for some of the larger scale, scale later stage companies, that that very well may just increase the the momentum that we have already experienced uh, in venture capital. So it's an exciting time. Unfortunately, we don't have any more time uh, to talk about this topic. Kendra, really appreciate your time here. How can folks reach you? Yes, thank you. If you come, if, especially for Rider Ventures, we have Rider backslash Rider Ventures. Um, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you very much and appreciate the time, Craig. Thank you. And stay tuned for more content. We have a lot coming up. Uh, right here on Freightways TV and a part of our Freightway event, uh, Freightways events platform. Uh, so tune in, download the app, and uh, we are excited to have you.